Thanks for listening to the Granary Church Podcast. For more information, head to granary.org.au or follow us on social media at The Granary Church. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to our second week on grace. I'm hoping that this week you've had a bit more time to think about it. If you're reading our daily devotionals at the moment, they will be giving you more things to think about and reflect on. But the main thing is not to get a theory of grace or a philosophy of grace, but to live in grace. And today I want to talk a little bit more about what it actually means to to live in grace. Because as I read in one of our devotionals, I think this morning, uh, it's actually what you do that shows what you believe. It's not just what you say that you believe. And when you live in grace, profound things happen in the world around you. I read a story um, from Ireland in the 1820s. So in the 1820s, there was a, a potato famine. And what happened in, in those days, there would be a landlord and he would have tenant farmers on his land and they paid him rent to um, have that part of the property which they farmed. And because of the potato famine, many of them ex, um, reached depths of um, huge poverty. And there was an Irish landlord called Canon Andrew Fawcett and his tenants wrote to him saying they had no money. They couldn't pay their rent. They were struggling to survive. And would he let them off? And he replied and he said, as much as he'd like to let them off, it was impossible to let them off because it would set a precedent. But he said in the letter that he replied to them with, um, there's something enclosed that might help. And in the envelope was a large sum of money that paid their rent and more than enough money to meet their other needs that they had. That's an amazing picture of grace. He understood the problems that they had. And rather than saying, it doesn't matter, he paid their debt for them. But then he gave them everything that they needed to to live well. So those ones probably didn't end up in Australia. So today I want to look at Ephesians 2, 4 to 10. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to, good, to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. What stood out to you in that passage? Think about it for one moment. Hang on to it and just take 20 seconds to say, if you're sitting with someone, to tell someone else in the room, there's one quick thing that stood out to you. Just say it quickly so that everyone gets their turn. I'll just give you a few seconds to do that. Have you ever heard someone say that someone has fallen from grace? Even when I say that, what do you picture? Sometimes you picture a pastor or a leader who had an affair or something like that, and people say they fell from grace. And there is a a verse in the scripture that talks about falling from grace, but it's got nothing to do with that or what people did. Falling from grace, we think, is um, we did something wrong, and we tend to generally not say it's ourselves, it's someone else who fell from grace because we looked at them and they did something wrong we said they fell from grace, which is such a wrong understanding of what that verse is all, is all about. Falling from grace, if you look in Galatians chapter 4, is talking about either relying on the grace of God 
or relying on your own good works and following a law. And falling from grace does not mean that you did something, all of us do something wrong every day. We just choose to either live in grace or live in our, in our own righteousness. And truly, we want grace. So I want to read this passage again. And I want to have a look because sometimes when we say someone fell from grace, what we really think is that there's so much you have to do to earn the, earn the grace of God. And it is in our Every, I think every person in the planet has this problem of thinking that you have to earn God's favour. There's something you've got to do, something you have to do to earn God's favour. He doesn't hear your prayers and you don't live in blessing. And you see it happening to us all the time. We think something happened bad in our lives because we weren't good enough. It is such a misunderstanding of the nature of God and what grace really means. So I'm going to read that passage again in um, the message translation. And this time, as I read through, I want you to notice what's required of you to do in your relationship with God, what God is asking you to do. And you can have a look at what he does as well. So here we go. Ephesians 4, Ephesians 2, 4 to 10 in the message. Instead, immense into mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us, took our sin dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Now God has us where he wants us with all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we either make we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we'd better be doing. So what are you required to do? In the message translation, it says that all you need to do is to trust God. And in the NIV, it says that all you need to do is to, to believe. It's grace through faith. It's all you have to do. And that, for us, is a massive problem. To be saved, uh, so faith comes through salvation. Sometimes when you hear that, you might think, well, I, I am saved because I know I'm going to heaven. But being saved is far more than going to heaven. Heaven is a massive part of it. But the, it comes from the word salvation comes from the Greek word sozo, which means saved, healed and delivered. And it's an ongoing process that happens through your whole life and into eternity of, or as it says in Ephesians 2, 7, now God has us where he wants us with all the time in the world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. So living in grace is learning to live in his, in his kindness and in his goodness. 2, 7, Ephesians 2, 7 in the NIV says, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his, riches of his grace expressed, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So here we have it, to live in the fullness of your salvation, all you have to do is have faith in his grace, believe in his grace, trust in his grace. That is all that you have to do. And I could just end the message there and say, go and do it. But there is a little problem here that you and I as human beings have trouble doing that. So I want to do a little self-check now to see how much you are living in the grace of God. And you may not have yourself in a position where you can live in the fullness of his kindness, in the fullness of his blessing. You may be crying out and saying to God, you know, why am I not feeling close to you? Why am I not hearing answers to prayers? And it's because you may not be living in the fullness of his grace, even if you are someone who is a follower of Jesus, because you may have turned back to your own works. And so I want to do a little self-check. 
to see if you are. There's a few ways that you can actually turn back to your own works. I can see myself doing it all the time in a particular area and it's got to do sometimes with your personality, with your upbringing, whatever's happened in the life, the way you think is something you need to be set free from so that you can live fully in the grace of God. So the first problem that some of us have is this, I think I'm really good. You come to prayer and you pray in a way that you could sort of, you may not say it to God, but in it you think, look, I've been, I am a really good person. I'm a really good person. Therefore, you will hear my prayer. Jesus told a story about that, Luke 18, 9 to 14. He said, to some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, at this point you might say, I've never looked down on anyone, but let's be really real. There are sometimes times in their lives and we look down on people. So to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So if you want to live in the grace of God, don't say, that's never me. Stop and ask yourself, do I ever think that I'm better than others? Therefore, God should answer my prayer. Do I ever count the things that I've done, like I've tithed to the church for all these years, I've served, I've done this, I'm kind to my neighbours, therefore I deserve these things to happen in my life? I've fallen into that trap many times when something's happened that I didn't want to happen. I think, but God, I have done this and this and this. And that makes me exactly like this guy, counting my own righteousness, which is not living in the grace of God. So if you're counting how good you are and you're looking at others, and sometimes we do that, you know you did the wrong thing. And you think, well, I did this wrong, but honestly, it wasn't as bad as what I saw someone else do. So it's not too bad. That's all living in your own righteousness. That is not positioning yourself in the grace of God. So that's the first one that we can look at and be honest with ourselves. Do I count my own righteousness, my own goodness? Do I weigh myself up compared to other people and say I'm pretty good? Therefore, I deserve this. The guy who um, was hum- who humbled himself was the one who God lifted up and exalted. Oh, you may not say I'm really good. You might be the person who says, I'm hopeless. I am hopeless. I fail all the time. I am a miserable, rotten sinner. And um, why would God ever? want to listen to my prayer. Why would he? I'm going to have to work so hard or do whatever to make God hear me. Well, Jesus tells the story of the the prodigal son. See, Jesus understands all all of us and the things that go wrong in our hearts and minds. And in the story of the prodigal son, we see another thing that the boy who took half the inheritance, so he actually had done the wrong thing. He took half the inheritance and he wasted it. Then when he came back to his dad, When he came back, half the inheritance had been wasted. So he didn't come back to even the wealth that was in that property before. He came back to half the wealth. And he comes and he says to his father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father who represents God full of grace didn't even listen to that, didn't even want to hear it, didn't sit down and say, have you learnt your lesson? Opened the door, brought him in and put on a huge party because the guy had turned around humbled himself and came back, simply relying on the grace of his father. So perhaps you don't think you're great. You might think you are worthless 
And God's grace tells you that you are worth something. He gave his life on the cross for you. So if you think you are worthless, that's a lie of the enemy. You are deeply loved by God and you can move into his grace. Or it might not be that you count your own righteousness or you're hopeless. It might just be like, you just try hard. You're just a good person trying really hard. And, you know, the son in the story of the prodigal son, there was an older son who'd been there working with the dad all the time. And he said, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. My son, the father said, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. So you might be someone who's just trying so hard all the time. And God is saying, you can just relax in my love. You don't have to keep trying hard. You already have my grace and favor. I see what you're doing. You are amazing. But you can now live in grace. You don't have to keep working hard. You can keep working hard because you are loved, but not to earn my love. And finally, you might be this sort of person. You might say, well, I've got doubts. Sometimes I doubt God. Sometimes I doubt that he loves me. Sometimes I doubt his existence. And sometimes you're not at game to say that. But the thing is, everyone has doubts at some time in their life. It's part of life. There was a poem written on a wall of a Nazi concentration camp in um, Germany by one of the prisoners. And they said, I believe in the sun, even when it isn't shining. There are a lot of things that you believe in, even when you can't see them. You have more capacity to believe than you realize. All you're saying is things that things have happened and sometimes you can't quite work it out in your mind. But you actually have the capacity to believe things when you can't see them. You have the capacity to believe in love, even when you feel unloved by someone. You have the capacity to believe in the sun, even in the dark of night. Have you ever been in winter when it's really cold and you can't quite remember what a beautiful sunny day is like, but you still believe it's there and you still long for it to come? And part of being human is learning to uh, grow in faith and to wrestle with our doubts and constantly come back to surrendering to Jesus because even your faith is not something that you can work out by yourself. You won't get it by reading a textbook. You won't get it by doing anything except meditating on the grace and the mercy and the love of God for you. And people came to Jesus with doubts. And Jesus said this in Mark 17, he says, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So you might think you've got to have a mountain load of faith. And Jesus is saying, just just a little bit. Faith, start with faith as small as a mustard seed and see what will happen. And there was a man who came to him whose child was sick and Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and he said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. You know what? You might be pulling back from God a bit because you've got some doubts. And Jesus understood that and he understands you right now. And he's saying, all you need to do is to cry out to him and say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Just give me a mustard seed of faith to start with and then start putting it into practice. I read um, a story recently about a man who, and he died and went to heaven, but he came back to life. And he said one of the things that he learned in heaven was that, that changed his prayer life was this, that he realized before he died and came back, his prayer life was often huge lists of things coming to ask God for things. God loves us to ask for things. But he said it changed in that he saw the power of God. He saw the majesty of God, the kindness of God, the favor and the love of God for all people. 
And his prayer life changed to just meditating on the grace and the mercy and the power and the love of God and spending so much time thinking about that first, surrendering everything to God, realizing that it's the theme of our this year. I gave my life away. You don't have to worry about these things anymore. You surrender them to his love. And then he said, as he, as he does that, the very end of his prayer is things that he's asking for. And he sees amazing things happen in his life because he spends his time getting rid of trying, getting rid of trying to prove that he's worth something and just meditating on the grace and the mercy and the love of God. And when he sees it and he surrenders, it, surrenders everything to him, amazing things happen in his life. And I encourage you to do the same. I encourage you when you get up in the morning just to um, maybe put on a worship song or find a passage of scripture or just lie in bed and think of the grace and the mercy and love of God for you. Think of Jesus dying on the cross for you and raising, being raised from the dead and beating the power of sin and death. Think of him ascending into heaven. Think of that incredible love that he has for you that will never fail you or forsake you. Just meditate on that. Make that the beginning of your prayer and then start to thank him for things. Thank him for you. Thank him for the things in your world. Just thank him for nature around you, the beauty of things in the world. Put your mind on those things. And as you do that, your faith will grow and you'll start to position yourself in his grace. You'll realize that you don't have to do anything. Now, just to finish off, because that passage I read to you first finishes off with this. It says in verse 10, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are his handiwork, created to do good works. Tim Costello wrote this, Faith, though starting with the individual's faith, can easily surrender to individualism, and people can use God for their individualistic greed and self-interest. So here's the final thing to see if you've moved out of the position of grace. It's when your faith starts to become all about you and using God for your own greed and self-interest. And only you will know if that's happened to you. Is your relationship on, with God all about what you can get, what's going to make you happy, and not a total surrender of him to let him bless you? As it says, something I love in that Ephesians passage, it says that if, if it was by our works, we would boast. We would say how great we are. And God just wants to bless you so that you can stand back and go, that had nothing to do with me. That was all the grace of God. It wasn't my goodness. It wasn't my hard work. It wasn't my long and extensive lift of praise. It was truly God's grace. And all I did, my part was just to believe and trust and have faith in him. And so when you do that, you move away from that individualistic greed because you know he wants to bless you anyway. And you start to do good works for other people. In other words, grace, which is unmerited kindness, starts to flow through you to other people. And so it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So just to finish off, to know that you're living in the kindness of God, are you being kind to other people? What have you done today that is an unmerited kindness to someone? They may be your enemy, but they may not be. It may just be someone someone you even love, but do you do something that goes above and beyond? Because grace means going above and beyond. It doesn't just mean I'll return you. Someone asked you out for coffee, so you return the favor and ask them out for coffee, which you can't do at the moment anyway. Someone asks you for a walk, you do the return and ask them for a walk. That's kind. But I'm saying, what will you do that's like God 
that is unmerited above and beyond kindness. And when you do that, and you don't do it so that God loves you, otherwise it becomes works. You don't do so the person loves you, otherwise it becomes trying to prove that you're great. You just do it because you are loved and you want to love. And then the world starts to be transformed when each one of us, imagine if each one of us, imagine there's a thousand of us listening today and each one of us decides every day of this week, I'm going to do something above and beyond for someone else. Might be someone in my home, might be a neighbor, might be a friend, might be someone anywhere. You're going to do something above and beyond. That means you've got seven opportunities, even if you just do one a day. And if every one of us did that, 7,000 people who would be blessed with the grace and kindness of God flowing from his heavenly realm through us into the world around us. That would be great. So let's do that this week. And I just want to finish off by, by praying for that. So let's just invite you just to close your eyes and just be still and to ask ourselves a couple of questions. Am I positioned in the grace of God? Do I think of my own righteousness when I come to pray? Do I feel hopeless? Do I feel like I'm just trying hard? Do I have doubts? Just bring all that to God. Just confess that to him. Confess it means speak it out to him. You can speak it out louder in your heart and say, I repent of that, meaning I don't want to be like that any longer. Just want to be someone who trusts in you. And so all of us could say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Help me to believe that you love me enough that I can just surrender my life to you and live purely in your grace and favor. And then finally, God, who is it that I could show kindness to this week? Just kindness. Do something surprising above and beyond. Bless someone. Lord, give us all creative ideas. May we reveal your unmerited kindness towards us in the way that we treat and love others. And may we enjoy doing it just as you enjoy loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Take some time now to consider what really stood out to you in that message. God has been speaking to you. And what is it that he said to you? If you're in the room with someone else, turn and share with them what stood out to you. And I say to them, how can I pray for you? Share with them something that you love about God and something that you're thankful for this week. Or phone someone and ask them those questions. What do you love about God? What are you thankful for this week? And how can I pray for you? Bless you and have a great week.